so we've been in this sermon series called The Six Superpowers of the Supernatural Church. And I'm going to tell you this morning I might need to take a drink because that's a tongue twister and I'm already having trouble with it. I did it to myself. The Six Superpowers of the Supernatural Church. So this is sermon number six um, in the series. Although today we're really on uh, the third part of one of those sermons. Uh, I broke the, the subject of serve or serving into three uh, sermons. As I told you, this sermon is, is a, a sermon that I have borrowed from John Lindell at, at James River Church because there just was too good to change. There's times I see bits and pieces of sermons and I want to I wanna take those and parts of it and contact them. And it's funny, many times I contact these other ministers and say, can I borrow your sermon? And they say, that's okay, I borrowed it from so-and-so, and they borrowed it from so-and-so. Um, you know, the, the thing is, I grew up in the Pentecostal circles, and I believe with all my heart, and I don't want to get on a rabbit trail here, but I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit is one that inspires God's, uh, the messages uh, should from the pulpit. However, God's Word is inspired, and it's been around for a lot longer than I have. And I know that we can only so many ways look at a text, and if we look at it too hard, we get away from the real meaning. Sometimes, not if we look at it too hard, but if we try to find something else. So there's some things you're just not going to be able to change because it's a truth and that's what it is. But I intended on this superpower of service being one sermon, but as I got into it, I realized that where we're at as a church, this is one of the most vital components of this sermon series that we have is service. Because God is getting ready to expand our borders and give us more seats to reach more people. And not just because that's the only way we reach them is in the church building. But it gives us an opportunity that once we've gone out and reached them in the community, they have a place to come congregate together. And like scripture says, be encouraged, be built up. That's what we're here for, to encourage, to build each other up and, and to, to be a community of believers. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, We'll be picking up where we left off. I do want to give you somewhat of a recap, a very quick recap if I can, of where we've gone so far. Basically, what, what we've looked at is, in, in 2 Corinthians, this is really Paul's first, fourth attempt. It's a letter, his fourth attempt to the Corinthian church to combat, basically, if you will, false teachers that have crept in. And, and they've tried to discredit Paul. They worked very hard to discredit Paul. I, I, we don't really know what their agenda was completely. We don't know what all is there. We know that they came in trying to discredit Paul and pull the people under their authority of the Corinthian church. Well, interesting enough, I know in my weakness as a human being that if someone came in and tried to pull people away from the church to teach them something false, that, that I would be uh, ready to see that person just go away. But Paul is not doing that. Paul's actually trying to reconcile. He's, he's made four letters. There's this exchange of letters to reconcile. Um, so I wanted to stop and say, if this is your first time at New Song or, or just recently come, um, you know, I hope that today's message, I hope that you'll, if this is a place God wants you, I hope you'll feel at home and this message will minister to you. If you're just passing through, I pray that wherever uh, you land, God will bless you uh, even through this message uh, going forward. So Paul, again, he's addressing these false teachers, and, and they had this effort to, to push their teaching and take control and discredit Paul. So this fourth letter, Paul's appealing to the Corinthians to get their hearts right so that together they can go out and reach the world for Christ. And that's Paul's heart. 
This is what he is writing them about. It's a letter of reconciliation to bring us all together into unity for the purpose of reaching the world for Christ. So he's taking the first 13 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If we backed up there, he's telling them about the role as God's ambassador. And if you'll remember in the previous messages, you know, our idea of ambassador today is different than in Paul's time. Now we have, each country has an ambassador, and they go on friendly terms to the, the United Nations. Now, whether they really accomplish anything there or not, I don't know, but they come together, right? And so um, there's this effort to um, bring to the table all of our wishes and get along. In Paul's time, these ambassadors actually were from captured nations, you know, Israel and others who had been captured and put under the control of Rome, and they're actually electing someone in their group to go to uh, Caesar and try to gain some kind of favor with Caesar, whether it be on trade or anything else. So it's one person going to the controlling ruler and trying to work a deal on their behalf. So the interesting thing about how Paul uses this is he shows that God really takes and inverts it. He reverses this process. He sends his one and only son, Jesus, as the true ambassador to us, to the lowly people, to try to regain a right relationship and favor with the king of kings and lord of lords so he does exactly the opposite it shows us how much god loves us how much um, he loves you and me that the god of the universe who needs nothing loves you so much that he sends an ambassador to you to tell you of his love and to and and that he desires to bless you and tell you how you can have eternal life and relationship with him it's simply amazing and Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, God making his appeal through us. That God uses us to make his appeal to man. And this is what serving is all about. He sends us out. He's calling us to tell them about his love and demonstrate his love by serving. And so, we implore you on the behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. That's what Paul is saying. And and be made right with God. So now that we know we're ambassadors, I want to also give you a little um, uh, recap of the three aspects of the ambassador. Um, we talked about the call of the ambassador. That, that's what the, 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 the mission of the ambassador is. Then the credentials of the ambassador, Paul literally, in, in kind of a uh, tongue-in-cheek, he pulls out his briefcase, pulls out his resume, and sends it and says, this is who I am. This is why I... I uh, uh, you know, I've suffered for the gospel, and I've, I've done this, and I, so that's his credentials. And in that, he gives us aspects of how our credentials should look. And then he also, the compassion of the ambassador, which is what we're finishing up today. And so he goes into this thing about, um, you know, what does it look like to be an ambassador of Christ? Don't put it off. When God puts the opportunity in front of you to minister, don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late. We learned that there's actually a, a key component here of punctuality. And, and why? Is it just a matter of uh, time? No, it's what your heart is saying. When you show up late, when you come in half-hearted and say, how long do we have to do this? Instead of how long do we get to do this? So it's the thought, it's the motivation behind it. Throwing a question mark over everything we're doing, basically questioning everything in God's work. Nothing wrong to have valid questions. Pastor, when are we doing this? Um, you know, uh, youth group leader, 
what are we planning to do with this youth group in the next year? But it's more of, why do we have to build a building? I mean, we've got empty seats in first service this morning. Why are we, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And, and it's not a question just for the sake of a question. It's a question in the, the sake of just challenging everything that God is trying to do. And then he, he kind of finishes it up with, don't squander one bit the opportunity God's given you. In other words, don't, don't squander the fact that he's placed you in a place you can serve and minister. Just because you may have a tiff with someone or you may not like a particular thing, don't sit back and in that questioning, in that showing up late, you literally squander the opportunity God's given you. And then he goes on, when we get into the credentials of the master, um, that was the call. Uh, being an ambassador for Jesus will require sacrifice. It's going to cost you something. Jesus talks about that many times. It's going to cost you something. And also, uh, we are as, uh, we are who we are is as important as what we say. Who we are is kind of like the old school thinking that I grew up around where when you shake hands, recently one of my boys, we were at a, a gun show, and this guy had coins out, which they took interest. And the, the, one of the boys picked up this and, and uh, said something about, I'd like to buy that. And the guy said, okay. And they shook before I even realized. I said, okay, now you're going to have to, you don't have the money. Now you're going to have to ask him to let you out of your commitment. You're going to have to ask him, please, will you allow me to get out of my commitment? You know, teaching them that my word is my bond and who I am, my character, all that speaks to who I am. And who I am is an ambassador of Christ all the time, 24-7. So I have to be careful about those type of things. God is helping us. Number three, God is helping us. Basically, we're not doing this on our own, under our own power, but with God. And then number four, no matter how nice you are, not everyone's going to like you. I, I can tell you that uh, given a little bit of time from one instance to another, I will find that not everyone's going to like me. So then the fifth thing, things are as seldom as they appear. Basically, we don't look to the natural because that's temporary, but the supernatural. So Paul addresses those lessons, the call of the ambassador, the credentials, and then this third part of Paul's defense is really important for us to consider uh, when he gets into 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11-13. through 13. Oh dear Corinthian friends, Paul begins to address them as a compassionate, as a compassionate ambassador. There are a lot of people who know God's word and know it better than me. There are a lot of people who can try to set you straight in God's word and, and they will be happy to do it. And there are a lot of people who approach church and ministry and God's people as people they need to correct and instruct. And there is time and place for that if people need that. But it's a whole other thing when you do it with compassion. That speaks to Christ living in you. Christ is working in you. He says, we have spoken honestly with you and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. Why did they do that? Because they listened to people who were criticizing Paul and the church. Because they just listened. I would say 10 times out of 10, but I can't say I know perfectly, but probably 9 times out of 10, most problems start in the church because someone has given a listening ear to a critic. Someone has allowed them to catch their attention and they've gone ahead and let them run with it and so they've listened. We've spoken honestly with you. And our hearts are open to you. There's no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. 
You've chosen to go over here and, and critique and, and, and criticize, and you're withholding your love. So uh, they allow the critic. They allow the outsider. They, they allow the negative person who is honestly saying a whole lot of things that weren't true. Man, if I had known my day yesterday um, was going to happen when I prepared the sermon, I, w- I would have realized this is more timely than ever. Um, it's amazing how many times I deal with something uh, just after I've prepared a sermon. Exactly. Like God's given me my, my homework assignment to prepare for the very next test. But they allow the negative person who's honestly saying a whole lot of things that are, weren't true and allow them to keep the people Paul is writing to from being involved with one of the greatest things God is doing on the face of the earth, and that's the church. You tell me, what could have been more exciting, more impactful, more supernatural than hanging out with the Apostle Paul? Of what we know of Paul and what, what spoke highly of him when he walked into a place because of what he had suffered for the cause of Christ, who else would have been more exciting, more impactful, more supernatural than hanging out with Paul? Name it. But that's how the enemy works. That's the way he works with people. He wants to call, cause people to be alienated. If it's, it's the same thing we see in nature. There is a principle there of this fallen world that here's the gazelle and baby gazelle, right? And the herd of gazelles. And they're, they're gazelling, right? They're gazelling. The National Geographic. Dun, 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 dun. But then what's in the weeds, the tall weeds? The cheetah. I'm using a little Dave Ramsey this morning, okay? The cheetah, right? Does the cheetah say, I'm going to take this whole herd? Or does he say, there's the weak one. If I can just run at it a certain way and run it off this direction, away from the herd, because those gazelles have horns, and a lot of horns coming at the cheetah is not good for the cheetah's day. You see, this is the same principle we run into the church. What the Satan wants to do is if he can get people listening to the critics, get the critics ramped up and give them a listening ear, and they can cause enough division, they can separate the weak ones, so the weak one thinks, it's going good, I've got friends who love me, and look, we're trying to tackle all these problems for the church, and what happens is their spiritual walk suffers, and Satan gets a foothold. We, hear, we can hear things like, oh, all they're uh, at, at about new song is this building. They're just about stuff. You know, it's going to be about money next. I mean, you've got to give up your paycheck to go to that place now because look at the building they're going to build. I mean, you know, it's modest in, in, our, in, in terms of most churches, but some could look at it and say, you've got a, a nice rental building where you're at. And I've heard this, and I've heard that, and you know, I've heard this about the church, and I've heard that about the church. And you're alienating yourself. You're, you're holding back because you're giving credence to the critic, and the devil loves it so much. He loves it so much. So here's what Paul's saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11-13. But you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. That's an interesting thing to say. But you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. Parenting is all about teaching your children to open their hearts to you. If, if you don't correct them in love, they will despise you, and they will reject you, and they will um, dishonor you. Through correction and love and support and all the many things that go into parenting, they grow to open their hearts to you and love you and it drives their behavior as a Christ follower. 
So here's my appeal to you as your pastor. If this is the church, or, or there's any other church uh, that, that you find a place where you can give yourself wholly and, and completely to the Lord and to His church, do that. Because God loves His church. Uh, God is about building His church. And Jesus said, I will build my church. And He calls the church His bride. It's His sweetheart. He loves the church. This whole thing, you can say, well, maybe this doesn't look like what he intended to look like. I know, Paul was writing a letter four times to do the same thing back to over 2,000 years ago to say, this is not what was intended. This isn't new. It isn't because you've walked into New Song and you're like, man, this church needs a lot of help. Listen, every church needs a lot of help. The bigger they are, the easier it is to hide what needs to be done. He calls the church his bride. And I will, I will tell you this, I believe this all my heart, it's impossible to love God and not love His church. I'll say that. To love God with a pure love is to say, I'm in, I'm on, I'm part of the church. I'm simply uh, um, appealing to the people who are here today, listen to the message that you need to be involved in some church. So that you don't think I'm doing this just to get more involvement, just at New Song. Some church. Bible-believing, following Christ, not perfect, because you won't find that. As soon as you go there, you mess that up, right? Because we're all imperfect people. So, and if you can't buy into this place, or, or the place where you're at as, as those that might be listening to this online, then find the place you can. Be all in and be all there. Because not to do that is to narrow, narrow your life down to less than God would want to be. You're accepting less than God's best. Listen to this in the message translation of the Bible. I am, I'm not a fan for my own personal study of the message. But you've got to understand there is a little bit of artistic uh, stuff put in there if you want to say it that way. Um, it's still, uh, the Bible is put in a different way. But the way it says this is really interesting. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 11-13. Dear, dear Corinthians, I tell you how much I long for you to enter, enter this wide open spacious life. You know what I've seen over and over as a pastor in just five short years of pastoring here is that when people have given themselves to the church rather than limiting their life, it's opened a whole new life up. It's opened a whole new world up to their life. When Jennifer and I met at James River where Pastor Lindell, that, that this sermon came from, came, yes, 10,000 people, and, and there's great opportunities, but it doesn't matter how many are there right now because they started with a few people. It's when people truly, wholly devote themselves into the work of, of the Lord in a body of believers, it opens up their life. It, it expands their borders. When people have given themselves up to ministry here at New Song, and for that matter, at church, other churches I've been at, it's strengthened their life. It's strengthened my life. Uh, it gives you greater vision, greater opportunity. And God has opened doors for them they never would have imagined. And as they're part of something bigger, in themselves, their lives expand. You know, I've known people, they'll go to the large church because of their business. I'm going to go there to make connections. And so they go with the wrong motives. I'm going there just to expand my business. And in that, their business suffers. And then if they get to the point where finally they break down and God gets a hold of them, and they come not for their own personal gain, but to contribute and be a part of that and get in there through those relationships they build that are solid and real because they're there for the right reasons and people sense that, the next thing you know, 
man, I never knew that this person ha- uh, went there, that the job I've been wanting, or this or that. God expands our borders. He uses His people to bless His people. And you know that it's true for all of us. It's a wide, open, spacious life with the Lord. Every day is an adventure. Not always positive. Man, yesterday was packed for me. I started out with men's breakfast Bible study. Awesome. I went by to this Christian couple that's opening a, a breakfast place in Bentonville, and I'd, I'd, I told them I didn't have time to help them with their floors, but I just couldn't. I felt bad for them. They work all night, and they got a little baby. And, and so I jumped in there, and on our day off, I spent half the day off uh, helping with floors, and I got joy from that. But, but then Saturday, after I stopped in to check on them, I, I went to um, the Harley shop to minister to people there. And, and listen, not everything went perfect there, but, but God uses every opportunity. And then I got to spend some time with some of the older teen boys uh, uh, at, at the church here and get to know them. And it, it's just God's way of doing things. It opens your life. It expands your borders. Let me just say this. If you make your life about your life, then you'll have a small life. If you make everything about your life about your life, if you're catching that, you'll have a small life because Jesus said, if you're going to seek your life, you're going to lose it. If you, if you go about this selfishly, I'm going to do whatever makes me happy, and it doesn't matter, there's other people that will take care of the church, you're going to have a small life. You know, it's possible for some of us in here to be living very tiny lives. I'm not calling you, uh, you know, I'm not belittling you. I'm saying our lives can be very tiny in the realm of what God can do with them. Um, and that's just because your life may be all about your life. And, and it becomes very, very small. And honestly, I am an apologist for the church. And the day I'm not a pastor, I'm still going to be the biggest cheerleader for the church. You see, I've been there. I've been there when I said I'll never step foot in church again because of those church people. I've been there in my life. And I've only been a pastor for five years, but I've collectively been an apologist for the church for 26 years now. And I'm taking out the time when I ran from the Lord. But age 14 to 23 and then age 28 to 43... I've been an advocate for the church. So I'm still going to be the church's greatest advocate, not just this church, but every church that is trying to do God's work. And I don't expect them to be perfect and have all the right programs and do everything perfect, but, but God loves the church. Anyone who says things that will cause you to move away from the church, well, they're not inspired by, they're not inspired by the Lord. I'm just telling you, if someone is doing anything to discourage you from being a part of the church where God has planted you, now, weigh heavily on what I said, where God has planted you. Not where Pastor CJ thinks you should go because, it, because you think, oh, it benefits him for you to come to New Song. Wherever God you know, you may not like it. I, ha- I have been in a church before where God would not release me to go. I felt like I was drying up and I just wanted to go somewhere where I could feel alive. But I wanted God to put his stamp on it. And thank goodness I did because I've never been at New Song even before I was pastor, I'd never come here if I had not waited on God. We even started to leave New Song one time before we were pastors. And we met with Pastor Roger and Sharon and said, I, we know, just feel like we're too closely tied to Pastor Jim. And when he died, people are looking to us when they don't like what you're doing. And we just don't want to be a part of that. Uh, we love New Song, but we're going to go on. And we talked about it. We actually started getting excited about checking out new churches. We, we, we love New Song, and it broke our hearts in one sense. But we're like, we'd already dealt with the emotion. And they just looked at us and said, CJ and Chen. We can't tell you everything, but all we do know is we came here knowing that you guys would be here long after we left. We knew that before we even came here. 
We walked away. It was at Chili's. We walked away and said, they're crazy. Because we know God's telling us to go. A lot of people say God's told them things God hasn't told them because it's what they want God to tell them, right? And that's where we're at. God, we wanted God to tell us to go on and make it easier for us. We wouldn't have to go through all that. And I would have never experienced the joy of, of the miracle of what God did to place me where I'm at. I got to move on or I'll get emotional. Because everything in the, wor- in the Word is about building the church. I'm saying get in the church, join the church, love the church, build the church, and be a part of the church. I, I-, I bought into the seeker-friendly stuff that's going on. It's like, oh, you've got to understand the church is not the building. I know that. The church is us. Oh, well, I don't have to go to church. I can watch the Christian TV on television. No, you can't just watch that. I'm not going to kick that around anymore and, and try to pat you on the back and make you feel better about that. You can't. It's not biblical. It's not in the text. There's nothing wrong with watching Christian programs and TV ministers, but you cannot have community like, like Paul is dealing with here. And you can't, iron sharpens iron. You can't bump hard against people that you don't agree with and God sharpen you through it through the television set. Paul says this, we didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. I experience this all the time with people. You know, listen, I'm just feeling too much pressure to get involved in a new song, and I just need to go, I need a break, you know, or, you know, I haven't heard that a lot, but sometimes I hear that, I'm saying, I, I look at this scripture, I read this, I'm like, ha-ha, Paul felt the same thing. I didn't fence you in, we didn't fence you in. We're, we don't bar the doors once you come in a new song and say until you do some, do some serving here, then you can't leave. Although Dave did tell his friend that came in today who was not planning to stay that he couldn't leave, he'd lock the door. So maybe there's, <laughs> he was joking. We didn't fence you in. The smallness that you feel inside you comes within you. It's coming from you. You're doing that to yourself because you're limiting your life. You're going from place to place, but you're not getting, you're not getting sold out and, and getting in and diving in. You know, places like we've been, like James River and North Place and all these great ones, and the, there's a bunch of churches with point at the end of the name, and they seem to all be big. Maybe that's part of it. You put point at the end of your name, and they're big, right? Now, I'm keys. My nephew goes to one of the point churches. Um, but... But here's the thing. If they did it the way God wanted them to do it, they didn't get there by everybody else waiting for somebody else to do something. You know? James River doesn't have 110 full-time people. They didn't get there without having a good, good five or ten good volunteers back when they were 80 people in a storefront. You know that. When you're sitting there saying, uh, I don't know why they have to build another building. Um, well, it costs so much. Well, it's just ridiculous. We've seen times where people have turned around and walked out the door because there wasn't seats. We saw that last year. Part of the reason we moved to a building project is because it took me a while to catch on. We've been hitting 75% full and over when we were at one service. We went to two, and then we did it at two. God is trying to expand our borders. He wants us to minister to more people. It's not just about filling the church building, but we've got to have a place to meet. And it's ridiculous to say, why do you need a building? You know, yesterday... When it was raining and cold, how would you like to be doing praise and worship out under a tent? Would we do it? I'd do it if that's all we had, but God has given us opportunity to, to come into a, a nice place. We have filled this building more than once. We do it often. We use it a lot. We can't even get our youth and young adults to come. At the, we can't even have them at the same time we have Wednesday nights, which means families that we have that live in Pineville, Missouri and all. They can't, they don't, bring their child to youth or they don't bring their teenager to youth because they have to drive so late and they got work early. 
There, there's simple things that make a difference about people being able to be there and be present and be ministered to that has to do around simple things. And this message is not about building. Let me, let me tell you that. It's about us serving. Don't be the critic and separate yourself from the cause of Christ. Be all in. And I'm telling you, what God is doing in this place is absolutely amazing. And, and when you become a part of, of what God is doing here, you become a part of something bigger than yourself that totally opens up your world and gives you a big, big world because it's God's world. In 2 Corinthians 6, 11-13, the message, the smallness you feel comes within you. Your lives aren't small. In other words, we're not trying to call you small people. Your lives are not small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection, great compassion. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. And can I just tell you that God wants to do more in your life than you could ever imagine? He wants to do more. What, what you've experienced so far in your, in your relationship with God and being in a church body, that's just a small, minute start to what he wants to do. To the people at New Song who you serve sacrificially week after week, right on. Keep doing it. I know you're tired. I know you wish there'd be more that would come alongside you. I know that. That's why, I, that's why God had moved on me to preach this, and I'm preaching it with as much as I've got in me. I'm looking at Janessa, because Janessa has been helping us with kids' ministry so long, and they don't get a lot of breaks. And she comes to first service so she can be a part of what's going on in the ministry and here, and then goes out and serves in second service. To those of us that aren't involved in anything, come on board. Come on board. We have an opportunity for transition teams going to this new building to, to expand, because we're going to have an influx of people. It happens when you build a building. You'll have an influx of people. Whether you minister to them and actually keep them in your life and walk life with them will largely depend on whether people are willing to serve and sacrifice during that time. The one thing the enemy wants you to think is that there's nothing for you to do or that it's all being done or that you can't do certain things and you're going to come up with all kinds of excuses and when you make your life about your life, it's going to be small. But if you make it about other people's lives, which is what God wants us to do, he expands your borders. Jesus said, I came that they might have life, in John 10.10, 10, and more and bigger than they ever dreamed of. Or have it more abundantly in other translations. That's what he calls you to. That, that, that what we are a part of, that's what God wants us to do. And so when you see the size of this church building, when you come up and you look at these tattered awnings, which we have been trying with the work with the landlord, and it looks like they're going to be that way when we leave, but when you see that, and we're in this oversized metal shoebox, right? And you come in, you're like, well, they did the best they could. I mean, they decorated, you know, but it's still not working for where we're at in ministry. But I don't want you to look at this building and think that this is an example of what God has planned for you at New Song in your life. And I'm not talking about building size or anything, but I just want you to take and do a parallel to if this is what your life is now, and, and you're like, okay, well, I'm coming here because I like the small church or whatever, but Nathan, you have that picture? Think of God making your life like that. And I'm not talking about just seats in a building. I'm talking about in the expanse of your spiritual walk. When we were in the school and Pastor Jim was a pastor, and Lynn, his wife, before he passed away, we come in and set up seats in that, in that school, in that auditorium. 
And she'd go out and put just about the amount of seats that we had people coming regularly. And as soon as she walked away, I'd go get about double, double seats. She'd come in frustrated because she'd set the seats, and I came in after her. And, and me and her kind of butted heads a little bit. I said, I'm believing for these seats to be filled too. And Pastor Jim finally said, Lynn, honey, let him believe. And you know what? We may have started with 35 or 40, but by the time we were moving out of school, uh, before Pastor Jim died, we were averaging 100 and 110, very near what we are now. It took quite a few years for God to bring us back to the same amount of people that we're ministering to as we were back then, but, but God filled the seats. Not just filled them. If I could tell you all the stories I knew of how people's lives were changed, it's incredible. People are saved. People that are still in this church are still connected to us that, that their lives change there. 2 Peter 3.9 in the message says, Don't overlook the obvious, obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. God isn't late with his promise, as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. God has just orchestrated the timing's perfect. When, you know, if we had tried to buy that land we have now, with the Bentonville High School where it is, with all those homes building across, with the sports complex behind us, we'd be spending about quadruple or, or five times the amount of money. God said, purchase land. I know you'll be sitting on it, paying some property tax on it for some years until you use it for a church building. He knew the timing. There's some of you here today, and you can't imagine that God can do anything with you. And I can relate to you on that topic. I've felt that many times, and often even now I'll feel it. And when I came to New Song, not as the pastor, but as a small church plant, when it was 35 to 40 people, it was an awesome church then. God was moving. I went with Pastor Jim and Lynn, and Jennifer and I did to some of the other local churches to raise support to get the church started. And even then, as he cast the vision, as he talked about it, Something stirred in my spirit and said, this is going to be amazing. What God is doing is going to be amazing. There's a lot of amazing churches all around us. And it's not discounting them. It's just saying he's going to do it again. And he's going to do it as new song. Again, the AG tried five times to plant a church and center tenant failed. And then, and then Pastor Jim goes to start and he passed away a year and a half into it, which usually would kill any kind of work. But I'm going to honestly tell you that in all my previous church experience, God did something different in me here than he did then. He did great things in my life in other churches. But that's the thing. God keeps expanding your borders as you commit, as you serve, and as you are all in. So the church didn't become amazing because, uh, you know, uh, wait until it became 100 people. It would be amazing. It was amazing at 35. And Pastor John Linda will tell you his church was amazing. God was doing amazing things. He, didn't almost, he almost didn't take the role as pastor there. He is afraid he'd mess it up. And now they're at 13,000 people. And the kind of ministries they do blow your mind. I mean, it's not just about filling that building. They are ministering to people's lives. But God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. The God whose plans are bigger for us than our own plans are for ourselves. That's why they expand when you turn over to God. Because his plans are bigger. The God of the universe wants to work his plan in your life in a way you can't begin to imagine. But it starts with that decision beginning to say, I'm going to stop making my life about my life. I'm going to make it about the life of Christ. And I'm not just going to say that 
and read God's Word and say, I love this concept and I love wearing the badge of Christian, but I'm going to do the work of Christ. I'm going to labor. Just as if Paul was walking today, we're going to labor alongside the others that have gone before us. God builds His church. Christ builds His church, but who does He build it through? His people. And if you don't do that, your life will be small. But if you do that, your life will be radically, wonderfully different. I Try it. I dare you. I mean, I dare you. This, this is me speaking as just C.J. Brummett, who, who my parents sit in the, in the congregation today and can tell you all the trials I've gone through. And, and while they loved me and believed in me, there are plenty of people that would have said from what they saw in me, he'll never amount to anything. He'll always be just one thing to another. He'll never really commit to anything. You know, I had a friend show up at Jennifer and I's wedding just because he's like, I don't believe he's going to go through with it. I've never seen him commit to anything that long. Proved him wrong, didn't I? Woo! Going on 13 years. God will change you. If you're a person that has trouble committing, you know, jump in. He'll help you with that. So here's where we end with this. We're going to pray. We're going to have an uh, opportunity for response in our hearts. But also, there's a sign-up sheet on that small table underneath one of the television sets out there. There's a sign-up sheet where you can say, my heart's been stirred to serve. Maybe I know where I should serve. Maybe you don't. There's a space to put it if you know what you should do. Otherwise, put your name on there and contact information. I'm not going to call and hound you and say, hey, we placed you. <laughs> Next week, you're in nursery. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I, you didn't know God's revealed to me. That's where you're holding babies. That's what you're supposed to do. No, we're going to pray with you. We're going to believe that God's going to help us. He, he may reveal it miraculously, or he may just, in the still of the night, say, you know what? You have such a passion for kids, and you know it. Why are you so scared? Those kids won't hurt you. Not with Pastor Tim back there. That's, that's, that's what God is driving for us now. He, he wants us to serve. Independent of whether we're staying here, moving to a building, what you're doing, as a believer, he wants you to serve. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this, for this opportunity, Lord, to divide your word and to bring uh, the word to your people. And Lord, I just pray that right now, in this moment, that your Holy Spirit would begin to, to speak to our hearts. Some of us may need conviction brought hard to move us out of this ditch we put ourselves in because we've been listening to the critics or we've been given too much credence to uh, the naysayers or we've been one ourselves but God you want to pull us out of that because it's just damaging us and others and it's just keeping our life small God I want to see everyone here with their lives expanded opened up this big wide open life as Paul said nobody else is boxing us in Nobody else has locked us into that. It's been our own selves. We've let whims or just this idea that we're going to find this perfect place and we just keep searching. We're just in turmoil because every place we go, while we get a little bit here and there and we, we enjoy that, we just aren't building, we're not building the kingdom through it. We're just, we're just building people to mass around us. Lord, to have friendships are valuable, Lord. You want us to have those and and, and more friends and, and having more relationships. And Lord, you, you love that, but in the context of if, if we aren't plugged in to a point of 
God, we can serve alongside each other. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul had to address. Help us, Lord. So right now, I just want you to have a conversation with the Lord between you and Him. You have the Word now as, as a tool. You have the truth. And you just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. I just come to you in the close of this service, God. I just pray that if anyone here needs to linger and spend time with you, Lord, and, and just uh, let you continue to minister to their hearts, Lord, I pray that they won't, they won't rush out, that they will stay put and let you speak to their hearts. God, if you released others, I pray that as they go, that this message will begin to, to continue, Lord, would continue in their hearts. And God, we'd all be changed from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Love y'all, and hope to see you Wednesday night at 6.30 for more time in the worship and the Word. Have a blessed Sunday, and hope to see you back for the business meeting if you can.